Turn to John 21, please. John chapter 21. We're glad to have visitors in the service tonight. I'm so glad that Brother Jeff Nichols from Texas is with us today. Appreciate your being here, Jeff. And uh, turn your Bible now to John 21. We're going to take up where we left off in Sunday school. And I don't know whether in your class you were able to finish that chapter, but this is a special focus beginning in verse 15. Verses 15 through 17. May we bow together in prayer. Our Father, we thank you for the reminders we've had in song tonight of the greatness of our Savior and our responsibility to keep the lower lights burning. Oh God, move upon us to be filled with the Holy Spirit, to, to give us a thirst and a hunger after righteousness and after the Savior. May the Holy Spirit do his work of conviction and drawing us to Christ. May someone who has never been saved come to Christ and someone who has been saved but somehow has been away from the Lord, may they come back. In Jesus' name, amen. John 21, beginning with verse 15. So when they had dined, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me more than these? He saith unto him, Yea, Lord, thou knowest that I love thee. He saith unto him, Feed my lambs. He saith unto him again the second time, Simon, son of Jonah, lovest thou me? He saith unto him, Yea, Lord, thou knowest that I love thee. He saith unto him, Feed my sheep. He saith unto him the third time, Simon, son of Jonah, lovest thou me? Peter was grieved because he said unto him the third time, lovest thou me? And he said unto him, Lord, thou knowest all things. Thou knowest that I love thee. Jesus saith unto him, feed my sheep. Now we know the story behind this. Peter had denied the Lord three times. It was an awful, awful hour in Peter's life. Just a few hours before, Jesus had warned the disciples that the going would be tough. And Peter said, now, Lord, if everybody forsakes you, I won't. I love you. You're the Christ, the Son of the living God. I, I will die for you. I'll never forsake you. And the Lord said, Simon, Satan hath desired to sift thee as wheat. But when thou art converted, strengthen your brethren. Before the cock crows, you'll deny me three times. Peter said, Lord, I'll never do that. And then Peter began to follow the Lord afar off. And I'm sure that many in this room tonight have walked in the footsteps of Simon Peter, following the Lord afar off. And when they came to arrest Jesus, Peter, with all his boldness, struck one of the men and cut his ear off. The Lord said, Peter, put up your sword. They that take the sword will perish with the sword. And he reached up and healed the man. He is called Malchus. And Jesus, one of his last miracles in his earthly ministry, healed that man. And then they arrested Jesus. 
as a common criminal and took him across the brook Kidron up through the beautiful gate by the temple and down to the house of Annas and Caiaphas and then over to Pilate and then to Herod and then back to Pilate. It was cold. If any of you remember last Saturday night or even any day last week when we had that cold spell, that's how cold it was on the night of the trial. And they were having a fire just to keep warm and Peter was standing out there warming his hands at the fire. And he, John had gone in to see the trial and Peter stayed outside. And one of the little maidens came by and said, you're one of those followers of Jesus. And Peter was scared. He was standing there warming his hands at the devil's fire and had not identified him as a servant of the Lord. It's always a dangerous thing to be in the company of the world's crowd and not identify ourselves as one of God's servants, as a Christian. Peter forgot all about that, and he just kept quiet. And when the woman said, you're one of the servants of that man over there, he said, no, I'm not. I don't even know him. That happened three times, and the third time Peter began to swear and to curse all those old habits that old vocabulary that he thought was gone forever came back. You say, was Peter a Christian? Yes, he was saved. He was the first of the, the men to acknowledge Jesus as the son of the living God. He said, you're the Christ, the son of the living God, the first one to know the Lord. But Peter denied the Lord and he went down and, and, and cursed the Lord. What a dark hour. Now Peter's afraid. The eyes of Peter and the eyes of Jesus met during that trial and the scripture says that Peter went out and wept bitterly. And now the Lord has been raised from the grave and Peter is sort of, sort of cowed in his attitude. You know how you feel when you've done something wrong and when you've sinned and, and when you've forsaken the Lord and you've Somebody that trusted you, you've, you've not done what you ought to do. You just feel sick inside. And that's the way Peter felt. And Peter said to the other disciples, I'm going fishing. And all the others went with him. You see, that's the kind of leader he was. Now, that was his old avocation. That was his old, you might say, habit. It was his type of thing he did for aversion. There's nothing wrong with fishing if you keep it in proper perspective. But you see, long before that, Peter had been called to be a fisher of men. Jesus said, follow me and I will make you a fisher of men. Peter went back to his old plans. He went back to his old life. Now, he loved the Lord. I don't think there was any question about that, but he got his priorities mixed up. Sometimes we do that. We get our priorities all confused. And Peter followed afar off. It was out by the Sea of Galilee. The Lord had met with them a lot of times in his ministry. Sea of Galilee was a very precious place to the Lord Jesus and the disciples. Matter of fact, it was there that Jesus had first called them to be his disciples. It was there he'd called them to be fishers of men. And now it was early in the morning. They had been fishing all night and had caught nothing. And Jesus 
looked out there and said, uh, cast your net on the other side and you'll catch some. And they kept, put their net out on the other side. They caught 153 fish. And John, with terrific spiritual insight, said, hey, that's the Lord. That's the Lord. And Peter, recognizing it was the Lord, cast himself into the sea because he was naked. Isn't that strange? Isn't that strange? You see, in the scripture, when a person gets saved and is walking close to the Lord, he also puts some clothes on. He's clothed and in his right mind. Today's mad craze for stripping down and seeing how much clothes we can do without and the beach parties and the sun parties and the people just walking around half nude. That doesn't go with a walk with the Lord. And John said, hey, that's the Lord. And Peter cast himself into the sea, got his fisher's tunic and got it on. And then he came up and Jesus was over there fixing breakfast for the disciples. Isn't that beautiful? The resurrected Christ. Now, after they'd eaten, and incidentally, this is one of the, one of the attestations to the resurrected body. We're going to have a new body. We can throw away our false teeth and our glasses and our walkers and our crutches and canes and all those old props that we won't need any longer. Angel Martinez says in the resurrected body, we'll all be 33 years old. That's the age Jesus was when he was crucified. That's the perfect age. I don't know that there's anything in the scripture that tells us we'll be 33, but Angel's idea is a pretty good idea. And if we'll all be 33, I think that'll be great. I can subtract some years and some of you can add some years and we'll uh, have a wonderful time there. Well, in that resurrected body, Jesus ate. He served his disciples and ate. He fixed breakfast for them. Now there's a mystery about it we don't understand. In 1 Corinthians chapter 15, behold, I show you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye at the last trump, for the trumpet shall sound and the dead shall be raised and we shall be changed. And when this corruptible shall have put on incorruption and this mortal shall have put on immortality, then shall be brought to pass the saying that is written, death is swallowed up in victory. And so in that resurrected body, we're going to have a changed body that will be sustained not by blood, but by the spirit. Jesus' resurrected body had no more blood. He shed his blood on the cross. But when he was raised from the grave, he was sustained by the Spirit. So will you and I. We'll have a glorified body like the Lord's glorified body. And Jesus met with his disciples. They recognized him. He ate with them. And after breakfast, after breakfast, Jesus said, Simon, Simon, son of Jonas, do you love me more than these? Now I want you to notice the words the Lord used. There are three words in the Greek language for love. Eros is translated love in English. Phileo is translated love in English. Agape is translated love in English, all three. But they have big different meanings. Eros has to do with physical love, the kind of love that a man has for a woman or a woman for a man. A sexual love, a wonderful, important phase of love 
There can be no lasting marriage without that. But if that's all one has in marriage, it will not last. That's the eros, love. The second kind of love is phileo. In that word, we hear the word fellowship. Fellowship, we enjoy doing things with each other. That's a fellowship kind of love, phileo. It's higher than eros. It's lower than agape. Agape is God's love. It is the kind of love described in 1 Corinthians 13, love that is gentle, love that is kind, love that is long-suffering, love that has mercy, love that never ends. It goes on and on and on. It is God's love. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. This is God's love. Now, Jesus said, Simon, son of Jonah, do you have agape love for me? And Peter said, Lord, thou knowest that I have phileo for you, fellowship kind of love. The Lord took him where he was. He didn't rebuke him. He said, feed my lambs. If you love me, demonstrate it by showing it, by doing something. Love is not a theory. Love is not passive, it is always active. Peter, if you love me, feed my lambs. Feed the little Christians. Feed the young people, the young ones that are following in your train. So many times I've met Christians who have been saved for a long time, sometimes in the church, sometimes in this church, other churches, folks who have been saved a good while, and they forget about the lambs that are looking to them. I've seen people get saved on Sunday morning and they get all excited in the work of the Lord and they love God with all their heart. They come back on Sunday night and Wednesday night and the first few weeks they don't notice it. But after two or three weeks they notice they come back on Sunday night that one of those saints, strong person, maybe they take the offering, maybe they serve as a deacon, maybe they serve as a leader, they're not there. And they look at them and they wonder, wonder where they're not, why they're not there. Come back on Wednesday night, they're not there. And after a while, that young lamb, that wonderful, precious young Christian begins to say, well, if it isn't necessary, if you grow and mature in the Lord and you get to a point where you can come to church on Sunday morning, you don't have to come on Sunday night, I think I'll stay home too or go somewhere else. And they begin to do that. And after a while, they go away from God. Now, beloved, none of us ever reaches the safety zone till we get home. Nobody is ever so mature that he says, I can just come on Sunday morning. I don't have to go on Sunday night. I don't have to worry about Wednesday night. I don't have to worry about my influence. Jesus said, Simon, son of Jonas, if you love me, even if it's phileo love, feed my lambs. Be concerned about others. Secondly, Jesus said the second time, he said, Simon, son of Jonas, do you agape, do you have agape love for me? Now, Peter's bound to have noticed that. And the second time, Peter said, Lord, Lord, thou knowest that I have phileo love for you. I have fellowship kind of love for you. And Jesus took him where he was. He didn't rebuke him. He said, Simon, feed my sheep. 
If you love me, do something about it. Don't just say it. It's not just a theory. It's not just a passive word. It's an active word. If you love me, demonstrate it. Show it. Now, Peter had denied the Lord three times. And I suppose Peter knew what was coming next. And Jesus said the third time, Simon, son of Jonas, do you have phileo for me? Now, that broke Peter's heart. You see, Jesus used the word that Peter had been using. First two times he said, do you agape me? Do you have agape love for me? Do you have God's love for me? Peter said, Lord, I have phileo love for you. Second time he said the same thing. Peter announced the same thing. I have fellowship kind of love. The third time Jesus said, Simon, son of Jonah, do you have fellowship love for me? And the text says that broke Peter's heart. He knew what Jesus was saying. He was grieved in his heart because he said to him the third time, do you love me? And Peter said, Lord, thou knowest that I have that kind of love for you. I don't know how to have any better love. I don't know how to love you more. Lord, I'm sorry. I wish I could love you more. And Jesus took him right where he was, didn't rebuke him. He said, then begin where you are and serve me and serve me, feed my sheep. Now, there are a lot of lessons we can learn from this. Among them, Peter denied the Lord three times. Three times the Lord said, do you love me? Jesus had used a high word for love and Peter had used a second kind of word. And Jesus met him right where he was, without rebuke. The Lord, listen, our Lord is not a hard taskmaster. He's not mean. He's not some tyrant sitting in the heavens wanting to get us under his thumb or discover that we're not up to what we ought to be. And so he rebukes us and scolds us and wears us out. He doesn't do that. He loves us. If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God who giveth to all men liberally and upbraideth not. That means he scoldeth not. He doesn't scold you and bawl you out. He takes you where you are if he sees a heart of sincerity. Now, secondly, Do we love the Lord more than we love the flesh and its whims? Do we love the Lord more than we love the flesh and its whims? It's big business to build a great church for Jesus. It's big business to build a great life for the Lord. It's big business to invite people to Jesus Christ. And so many times, we place other things ahead of the Lord. First Corinthians 13 reminds us, love is kind, love is gentle, love is gracious, love is long-suffering, and love never ends, kind of love Jesus is talking about. And he says to me, Richard, do you love me? Do you have agape for me more than the flesh and its whims? He says that to every young person in this room tonight. Do you love me more than you love the flesh and its whims? Now, beloved, if we started loving Jesus more than we love the flesh and its whims, we're going to avoid a lot of hurdles. We live in an age of free sex. We live in an age 
when every young person in this room, every red-blooded young man or young woman in this room is constantly, constantly pounded with the idea it's okay to have sex before marriage. Now you're told that by television. You're told that by the movies. You're told that by the magazines. You're even told it in the public school sex education classes where they teach you to have safe sex instead of abstinence. Now you've got to decide. Do I love Jesus more than I love the flesh and its whims? Do I love his commandments? Do I love his word? Oh, how love I thy law. It is an ordinance in my heart. How much do I love the Lord? Jesus was saying, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me more than these things? Do you love me more than the present world system? Do you love me more than all the things that are going on in the age where you live? Do you love me more than the, more than the, than the, uh, all the modern mods and, uh, and all that? Do, how much do you love me? How much do you really love me? And we have to answer that. Simon said, Lord, now listen to this. Simon said, Lord, I don't have that kind of love. He was really confessing. I appreciate old Peter. He was honest. So many times we're not honest. We say, Lord, I love you. I love you. I love you. I love you, my God. I love you, my Lord. I love you, my Lord. And the answer comes, but how much I love him, my actions will show. Peter was honest. He said, now, Lord, I'd like to love you like that, but I don't, I'm not there yet. I have phileo love for you. And the Lord didn't bawl him out. Now, isn't this good? Please listen carefully. The Lord did not bawl Peter out. He just said, all right, take the love you have and use it to serve me. Start where you are. Start where you are. You begin to serve the Lord. The more you do for him, the more you do, just start right where you are. I know some people that walk down an aisle and they get a little discouraged. They say, I come to rededicate my life or I come to lay my life on the altar. I come to do this or that or the other. And they don't have the feeling and the joy and they don't go out all exuberant and all filled with a, a new kind of excitement. And they say, well, I guess it didn't work. Oh, yes, it did, brother. You come committing your life to Christ and then start right where you are. You don't have to have something else. Start with the love that you have. That's what Jesus was saying to Peter. Start where you are, Peter. Feed my sheep with the kind of love you do have. And after a while, 